0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Felsted's podcasts. Sarah McDiamond is the first female president of the Old Felstedian Society, taking over from Brian Lott in 2020. Sarah attended Felsted in the sixth form between 1985 and 1987, and then went on to study pure and applied biology at Keeble College, Oxford. Following a graduate job with First Leisure Corporation, she worked across the entertainment industry, helping to hire and train staff and was also employed by a fashion business in London before coming into contact with Montessori Education and studying for her International Montessori Diploma at night school. In April 1999, Sarah opened the doors of absolute angels to children and established Soaring High Primary School in 2008, offering Montessori education to children up to the age of 11. She was chair of the Montessori Schools Association for the primary sector and a member of the Montessori Evaluation and Accreditation Board. And Sarah also runs a training business for adults who wish to become Montessori teachers in both the early years and the primary sector. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure. As I said, you're the first female president of the Old Felsteadian Society. A highly prestigious role, of course. Highly, highly we're going to come back to that a little bit later in the interview but I'm going to ask something about the school first of all yeah one of our aims for the school is to encourage our pupils to make a difference to those around them and you've worked in education and you'll have made a difference to lots of people could you could you tell us a little bit about what it was that inspired you to work in education and how you came to establish Soaring High Primary School
1: great question yeah it was As you can imagine, probably starting my working life out in the nightclub business and the fashion business, it didn't feel right at all. And there was definitely a drive to contribute in some way. And as you've said, definitely fell into Montessori education, sitting on my sitting room floor in Brixton with the tune that used to be the Yellow Pages. And I got to the (laughs) school section and thought, oh, Now that's how I could make a difference. And it just happened to be Montessori Nursery attached to the school where I started to work. So there was a drive definitely to set up my own nursery. And over the course of time, the local schools, the drive was to start the children earlier and earlier and earlier. And so I was losing children earlier and earlier and earlier. And felt that I'd only really started out with contributing to the individual child the education the progress they were going to make so standing in one of the most inspirational montessori settings in sweden watching primary montessorian action it was a kind of an epiphany for me and two of my colleagues on either side saying sarah you've got to do this we've got to have this in the uk so that that was it
0: you obviously montessori is around the world have you had the chance to to travel and see see schools all over the place
1: there's a montessori europe is in existence and every year we meet as a group somewhere where there's a quite a large number of montessori settings from birth all the way up into secondary so yes whether it's been prague amsterdam budapest yeah very fortunate but it's, it's amazing going into these settings because whichever country you're standing in, because you are following that approach to education, there's a deep sense of familiarity in each one of the schools. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, and can I ask, two years in Felsted sixth form, did that prepare you for nightclub work or for <laughs> education? Or perhaps I shouldn't be asking that. <laughs>
1: Why don't we say that the Anna Behaviour module of my biology degree <laughs> was probably the nightclub aspect.
0: Excellent. we we we've probably, not, probably not dig too much further onto that. No, one. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we also talk about the importance of developing character at, at Felsted. I, I think it's probably the most important thing you can do in education. Yep. How does that relate to the Montessori model, particularly for people who perhaps perhaps have heard the word but but not familiar with what it involves could you tell us a little bit about how how Montessori differs from perhaps more standard uh, UK education
1: absolutely so the Montessori approach is a very very holistic approach to education it definitely looks at the whole child and you could obviously come on one of my courses Chris and I could talk you through all tenets of the philosophy but in brief if you step into a Montessori classroom, it's so far removed from definitely my education and the majority of others. So it's vertically grouped, children of mixed aged. Mm-hmm. You won't see a lesson per se being taught. The children have their own individual work plans. There is a deep level of trust that all children have an innate desire to learn. They're spoken to on a one to one basis with a deep level of respect. And the bit that really embodied it for me was that by following the individual, education isn't dumbed down to a common denominator. And by following what Montessori said, the cosmic education, it meant that you would be giving the child a picture of the whole to begin with. So the biology, the geography, the history, the science is all embraced as a whole to begin with until secondary, when then it becomes bound by the subjects. And the premise behind that is that to begin with, a child really needs to know the complete picture. And by having a sense of what the complete picture is, then it all has a rationale and a place yeah, it's amazing to watch and probably very difficult to describe in a couple of sentences.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a, g- a good starting point, though. And, uh, and uh, for children who transition between Montessori and, and mainstream, is that is that difficult? Do they, do they find that transition hard to make?
1: No, and I paused there because if a child transitions at a younger age, 7, 8, then they might find it slightly difficult. But by the time they get to year 6, 11, they have become much more paper-bound, looks much more conventional, and so the preparation has been eloquent.
0: And how about the other way? Do, do children move into Montessori, but say, say at 11 years old, may, maybe mainstream hasn't been right for them, would they, would they move into Montessori then and be able to make that adjustment?
1: Yes, there's always a period of adjustment, And the classrooms, we have something called a three-hour work cycle, which generally starts at nine and finishes at 12, where it's uninterrupted and they work throughout that time. And a child who has been in a conventional classroom where they are told roughly what to do and when to do it... That first mm-hmm. period, it's probably like being on a holiday and they go home saying, we don't do anything at <laughs> that school. But once yeah. they get into the flow and they realise that they are actually can take charge of their own learning, then they settle and get into the flow. Yeah, the first bit's funny. It makes me laugh.
0: Yes, yeah, no, I, I, I can imagine that. But no, it's, it's, it sounds really interesting. And when you've got that course running in Prague, just make sure you, you drop me an email. I'll be uh, I'll be over there straight away. No problem. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and what, and what about what about yourself? I mean, what what are the big moments for you? Do you look back and see some moments that sort of define the kind of person that you you've become?
1: Yes. So there's one project that I did, which was a com. It was combination between the Department of Education and the Montessori charity, and I was airlifted from sunny, sleepy Essex to Gorton Mount in Manchester in one of the most deprived areas and schools. And it was being tracked by the Institute of Education. And I was put in there to transform the nursery and the early years, reception year one, into Montessori environments and train all their staff. And we had two adults per group of 40 children and the head and i didn't we didn't get on particularly <laughs> so our approach to management attitude towards children was slightly different so that was a definite case of digging very deep there to ensure the success of the project
0: and how long did that how long did that last
1: i was there for a year it was right, very exciting yes. though cuz 6 years afterwards i got a phone call Letting me know that the first two children ever from Gorton Mount got into Manchester Grammar, and they were two boys that started with me that September.
0: Oh wow, wow! I mean, that that, that kind of story is what makes education such a great well, profession to be in, do. isn't it? Absolutely. And we we talk about we talk about growth mindset and how although it doesn't seem it at the time it's really important to make mistakes along the way through education and it sounds as though Montessori kind of encourages that ability to make mistakes and to learn from them what yeah. what do, what about uh, from a personal point of view you, you there must be times along the way where you've you've perhaps made a mistake is there is there anything that stands out where you've you've done something that's been a really good learning point even if it didn't seem so at the time?
1: Yeah so from a Montessorian perspective, the, there's no such thing as a mistake.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, of course. Healthy yeah.
1: attitude to error. I think in all times, and that's fascinating, I have, yeah, even thinking about it, I don't know, mistake, not mistake, maybe I was always a Montessorian. I think <laughs> it's the the way of looking at the challenges that you're set in life and being able to go beyond that and realize that, life is challenging and it's your attitude towards that maybe taking time to take stock reflect wonder if it's time to for your life to go down a different path or to approach things in a different way
0: and is that is if you were talking to young people at the school at the moment perhaps who are coming towards the end of their time at school and obviously been through quite a quite a tough time in the last couple of years what what would you advise them? Would, is that the sort of message you'd want them to, to take away from school?
1: Yes, and it's one great big adventure, isn't it? <laughs> With um, <laughs> quite a lot of ups and downs on the way. And I think Abso- there's so much pressure yeah. these days, isn't there? But to know that when you're leaving school, gosh, how do, we can never know what what our life is going to, how it's going to unravel. And to know that... Being at a school like Felsted, in actual fact the characters of resilience and being part of a community is really important. So whatever your per set, whatever, however high the walls are that you think you're up against, that we are really resilient as human beings and we'll find a ways up and over or around them.
0: Yes, yeah, and uh, that's that's something that people learn through experience, isn't it? That if you don't try, you've already failed. Whereas uh, if you try, don't get it right, then at least you've learned something in the process. De- definitely true.
1: Yeah, and all these amazing facts that are coming out these days of whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're a phenomenal sports person, in actual fact, if we're going to use the word of a mistake, the number of mistakes that they've made in their lives... Are far greater than the successes that are perceived by the outside world.
0: Yeah, I think I, I read Claire Balding's book recently, where she was nearly expelled from her school, but then ended up as the head girl. Not quite sure how she turned that that round <laughs> so dramatically, but she she talks about how important it is to, uh, you know, to to see to see something when something goes wrong, you have to look ahead to how you can learn from that and how you can change things. And it's a it's a simple message, but true in all walks of life.
1: Absolutely. Yep.
0: And coming to Felstead in, in 1985, of course, Felstead only had girls at the school in the sixth form. So it, it must, have been, must have been quite a change from where you'd been before. What, what were the sort of big memories that you have from your time here?
1: I think there are some that I might not say <laughs> on air. Do you still have the steeps?
0: Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah wow. yeah.
1: wow, compulsory doing that cross-country run and then to make the girls do it with the nips the third formers i mean that was mortifying so that's the only negative by the way
0: uh okay yeah yeah
1: yeah just amazing memories it's not necessarily particular poignant moments in time but the global feeling of being somewhere really vibrant i had definitely felt being at an all girls school with limited sports available was something that I wished to move away from so at Felsted I did I immersed myself in all the opportunities playing sport for many hours a day
0: and what what were your favorite sports at school
1: hockey squash tennis I swam
0: and whose house were you in where, where, where were I you was based?
1: in manor house which is now residential isn't it
0: that's right oh, yep, yeah
1: just down the road and I think there were twenty eight of us in there.
0: Yeah, looking looking out on the allotments. Is that is that right? That, yeah, I, ha- what, I had I yeah. had
1: one room that looked out on the allotments.
0: Okay, okay. And did can I can I? I don't know. whether I should ask this. Did people used to sneak out? And uh, <laughs> I, I uh, wouldn't uh, know, Chris. No, okay, okay. <laughs> well, we'll...
1: And I definitely could. I, and it was so funny. I was head of house, so even when I should have known, everybody yeah. made sure I didn't know.
0: That, that's that's a much safer place to be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And was there anybody, anybody on the staff who particularly ma- had an impact on you? I, I don't know whether any of the staff is uh, still here. There might be one or two.
1: Yeah. Oh, sadly, we lost Alan Lowell, didn't we? He was my housemaster. Yeah, yeah. I think Headman, yep. I think Edward Gould will be someone who... Well, each character... What am I trying to say? Each character was fascinating. As far as the staff body was concerned, I felt respected, valued and spoken to as a young person and I hadn't felt that up until that point.
0: That's good. I mean that, that's really good because I think, you know, when co-education first came in in 1970 with an all male staff of course, I think there were some issues over uh, adjusting that for some of the teachers it was it was more of an adjustment than it was for the pupils. Yeah. And some of them some of them found that really difficult, but it's good to hear that that, that had moved on. And of course now we're we're co-ed all the way through from from age four upwards and and nobody nobody would expect anything different here so yes. it's, uh, i think it's it's a really good environment and the the o f society now now saying of course that co-education only came in in nineteen seventy uh, that does mean that the o f society has got a very high proportion of male people as members. Is it important to you to increase the female presence through the society, and how would you go about doing that?
1: Yes, it's 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 the male grey-haired contingent that has been very present, <laughs> not in a bad way. It's <laughs> creating the shifts. And I think, yes, I think it's really important that over the course of time, the Old felsteadian Society represents the school as it is today, and I don't expect that to happen overnight because... Yeah the time that it's been a co-ed school versus the time that it was all boys, all male, is very, very small. But I think as time goes on, it's really important to increase the female representation so it then reflects how the school is. So my thoughts, having been at the school and... I can't remember how many years it was after I left that I then was on the society, but I definitely decreased the average age by many <laughs> yes. when I first was sat on that, around that boardroom table. And not many of my peers, above or below, really had any contact with the Old Feltsteadian Society. It came years later, and yeah, my... Yeah gut reaction is that that was because when we were at school, there was no reference made to, there was no connection or awareness of what the Old Felsteading Society looked like, what it provided, and that it would be perceived to be the next step for you to become a member of that having left the school. So that's, that would be my drive to start the communications whilst the young people are at school and follow that through.
0: I think that makes it makes a huge amount of sense and actually not seeing the the OF society as some sort of distant club but actually seeing it as a, a tool a continuation of community as well and I and I know the the ambassadors program has been a, a way to try and generate more interest with it with the younger younger leavers as well so having ambassadors at universities where perhaps people can reach out to somebody who went to the school also networking for careers you know the, the the power of that network is really quite substantial if it can be leveraged well.
1: Totally agree. And I think it's that in today's world where technology is so prevalent, for some of us who are really blessed to have gone to a school like Felsted, where community is such an important aspect of that time, it can feel quite isolating moving into a huge university environment. So to be able to create opportunities where the young people can draw on that sense of community that they had, and it is fascinating, isn't it, when you've had a shared experience. Even if that shared experience is 10 or 15 years apart, as it is when I sit around the table with some people, there's still that commonality, there's still a bond and there's something that draws you together
0: absolutely yeah absolutely and uh, I think we've we've seen that you know when events have taken place in universities that they've brought together some people who perhaps wouldn't have mixed with each other otherwise but have got that shared experience and then that that starts all sorts of all sorts of conversations going
1: yeah exactly
0: you know it just just briefly just to build on that where would you see the OF society going in the next next few years how could you see it developing further
1: one building on what we just said so starting through school building into the universities and then increasing the networking opportunities especially i've spoken to a few of my peer group who are really up for mentoring young people mm, at the start yeah. of their career and as you've just said the importance of that that isn't something you can buy is it it's something that will mean so much in yeah. The yep. ever-changing, evolving landscape of employment.
0: Yeah, in a, in a very competitive world, I think having having someone who's who's lived a particular career route who can give yep. honest and and helpful advice is is just yeah, it's invaluable, absolutely invaluable.
1: Yeah, and then just increase the opportunities. So when you're talking about the. Females being more inclusive, then getting yeah. building on the likes of the cricket and the golf, the old Felsteadians, bringing it back into things like the netball, tennis, etc. Really, 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 really important. And coming up, keeping the trend of podcasts, Chris. All uh, of the, yeah. the likes of <laughs> modern day technology <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> moving with the times. And as we know, the old Felsteadian magazine, I'm still old school, I love it coming through the letterbox and the paper version but yeah. as time moves on to be able to access old felstedians through all the different mediums
0: so we'll be looking forward to the the of society uh, tiktok account coming coming online shortly
1: i i actually haven't had a look yet <laughs> so it is something that i would actually really like to have a look at
0: I th- I think it could be quite it could be quite a lot of fun. It could be quite dangerous as well, but uh no, I think there's there's a few few OFs out there who might quite enjoy that kind of thing. Transformational um, clearly. Yes. Now I I'm just going to take you back to something you said before about the steeps how that that was not necessarily a good memory, but I understand that you you are also married to an OF. Yes. And I'm doing my maths and thinking that when you were running the the steeps, would the two of you been going around the same course together?
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> is that is that where you met doing the steeps?
1: We didn't meet over mud going up oh. the hills. I'm sorry to say.
0: Oh, such a pity that that would have been such a, such a good story for it the event. Would. We we, <laughs> we could have promoted it to the pupils and that they'd have been uh, yeah. rushing out to take part. I
1: don't think me being at lower sixth level and Havish then being a third former is something you really would like to promote I think no you
0: a good point good yeah. point yeah pro- probably probably take just that quiz back. forward 20 years
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah 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 and we're sort of coming to the end of our our time if I could just finish with one for you though which is about female role models because I think we we've worked hard to try to recognize the diversity within the school over the last few years and in in a society where the, you are the first female president of the society, how important do you think it is for for girls to see female role models? And is there someone that you've seen as a real role model through your life?
1: Well, it would be odd if Maria Montessori wasn't one of my role models, just yes. in her... God, oh, how amazing she was that she came up with all these incredible strategies to support children over 100 years ago. Actually, just hearing your words... I think it just requires a shift that even that positive female role models just become part of everybody's life as the male counterparts are as well. And over the last 10 years, 15 years, maybe there's been that requirement to bring to the forefront, make an, an exaggerated awareness of female role models. But in actual fact, the move forward for me would be that when you are talking about, exploring, looking at, inspiring individuals that have made a difference, then when you do that research, the number of females that an awareness is brought about is the same as the men.
0: Yes, yeah. I, I think that's that's the aspiration and the goal, isn't it, that, it, that pe- people don't have to think diversity they just they they live and breathe it yeah it just it, it um, just is yeah I, I think at the moment there's, there's still work to to do but it's, it's good it's good to be working at a time where we are definitely making progress yeah and uh, to have a to have a female president of the of society is long overdue but uh, <laughs> it's great that it's great that you're making a difference there and uh, thank you so much for telling us about about Montessori and about your time at Felsted.
1: Not at all. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Chris. Thanks, Sarah. All right. Take care.
0: So that was Chris Townsend talking to Sarah McDiamond. Thank you, Sarah, for coming on to this episode of The School Podcast. Really interesting to hear about your role as president of the Old Festidian Society, the soaring high primary and Montessori education. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.